freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. everybody welcome to episode number 378 of gun freedom radio where we educate we engage and we inform we are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com where you set the price on guns ammo and accessories i am one of your hosts cheryl todd and i'm the other guy dan our theme today is navigating the political battlefront, and our guest is Stacy Washington. Stacy is the host of Stacy on the Right on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125. Stacy is a de decorated Air Force veteran and a fourth generation to serve in the armed forces in her family. Thank you for your service. In 2018, Stacy earned the Second Amendment Foundation's Journalist of the Year Award, and Stacy just got just authored a new book titled Inter Eternally Cancel Proof, a guide for courageous Christians navigating the political battlefront. Welcome to the show, Stacy. Thanks for having me on today. It's great to be with you. Absolutely. Hold that book up. Let's take a look at that cover. I love the graphic on the front, right? So we've got the church butted up against the Capitol. And I think that that is so significant to uh, what you've written inside this book and you know we have listeners all over the world wherever there's internet we have listeners not everybody who's a listener ascribes to christianity but our listeners are so awesome because they're open-minded they're not going to dive off the minute they go oh well, they're going to talk about bible stuff so i'm out of here right they hang in there with us and uh, i just really appreciate that so much um, so speaking of diving in the title of your book alone sounds so perfectly timed for this time in history, because so many across this nation, I would imagine across the world are dealing with cancel culture. It is a real problem. And a lot of times I'm seeing it backfire and it actually, you know, helps, uh, bring more awareness to the person they're trying to cancel but it does actually cause so many people to stay silent who need to speak up. Dive in there and, and just talk to us about this book of yours. So um, in the book, I cover a lot of facts and, and statistics. And one of those statistics is the alarming number of people who simply avoid talking about their political beliefs or um, sharing their opinions at work and, and, and church sometimes, but more often it's in um, secular marketplaces. So it's your job, it's your, um, it's your club that you're working in or your book club or uh, a group that you might be working in like the parent teacher association at your kid's school. And if someone expresses a viewpoint that is nonsensical or idiotic, conservatives are far less likely up to 66% have reported that they just simply self-censor. They don't say anything because they don't want to fight. They don't want to be canceled. They're worried about their work. They're worried about their kids having negative ramifications. So 
one of the things that I, I would kind of spurred the book on is I originally was just going to write about my journey from being a liberal and a Democrat to being a conservative. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a pretty, like a lot of people write that book, right? So I was going to write a book about that and include my views on politics, but something was missing. And then I began to see the statistics on cancel culture and you're right, Cheryl, it does backfire, but not until after, in many cases, the person who is the victim has suffered severe consequences. They've lost their job or they've been publicly humiliated. And so um, I, I kind of went in that direction. Like what does, what, how does cancel culture impact Americans? And then what, 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 what makes it different for people? You know, there's like Dinesh D'Souza actually went to prison for something far less than what um, Hillary Clinton and many other far more famous, far more influential and impactful people have committed far greater crimes. He just simply gave a little bit too much um, and, and violated an FCC rule, FEC rule and went to prison. Um, and so you see the difference. There's like hypocrisy there. So I started delving in and I started off with the biblical worldview. I'm a Christian, but the biblical worldview is applicable to people who aren't Christians because our country was founded on the Judeo-Christian foundation. So our founders used these sermons from the Black Robe Regiment, and they used the writings of philosophers, they used the Bible, and that's how they came up with the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Federalist Papers, everything that we use to, uh, to this day to govern our country. And we have the longest running, longest standing Constitution in the history of nations. Uh, we don't have coups, we don't have you know overthrows, we have peaceful transfers of power, even in the most contentious of times, we're the only country to have a civil war and go to war with itself over slavery and come out a unified nation. So um, the, the biblical worldview is actually applicable to any person who is an American citizen. So that's the first thing. And I'm glad you have a, a strong body of listeners who are willing to kind of hear me out on this because the book is straight politics. It's all about everything that's happening. I cover immigration, um, abortion. I cover the two-party platforms I compare them, I actually printed them out. And one is like 88 pages, the Democrat platform. The other one's about 54 pages. I printed them out and compared them chapter by chapter, topic by topic. And I do that here in the book so you can understand why socialism doesn't work, why socialism is unbiblical. Um, and then I also talk about endless war, corrupt leadership. I talk about why the Republicans who have the best platform are often neutered in Washington, DC because of their weakness and their inability to actually practice what they've promised, which is something that President Trump was able to do. But most politicians have trouble with that because they're weak. Um, and I explain the weakness. I also talk about the indoctrination of our children, critical race theory, um, true black history. So the book is, yes, it's from uh, the, the worldview of a Christian. I'm a Christian, but I'm also, as you said, I'm a gun owner. I'm a concealed carry certified gun owner. I also shot marksman on active duty in the Air Force. Um, I love listening to uh, 80s and 90s rock and <laughs> <laughs> you know, popular music. I'm a, a mainstream radio host on Sirius XM's Patriot Channel 125. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not like, you know, some fundamentalist who's often in the hinterlands, you know, living out in the woods somewhere who I don't participate in our society. I'm a fully functioning member of our society. And I want to tell people how we can make change and how we can be strong enough so that we're not worried about being canceled. Because the fact is, you're probably gonna get canceled. Unless you live as if you are a leftist, if, unless you completely hide who you are, you're probably gonna get canceled in some way, whether it's a friendship, a friend group, something like that. And I've had all of those things happen. I had a very public cancellation from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch as a columnist, which is how I ended up writing the work that I ended up getting the award from uh, the Second Amendment Foundation. So 
the, the cancellations, I compare them to Obi-Wan and uh, Lord Vader, and they're at the base and Obi-Wan's trying to give, you know, Luke and Leia and all of them a chance to escape. And he engages, um, he engages Lord Vader and Lord Vader is preparing to strike him down. And he says, if you strike me down, I'll only become more powerful than you can ever imagine. Mm -hmm. Well, that's basically the assurance we have in Christ in scripture about how we are to live our lives here on this earth. This is just an audition. We're going to eternity. We are eternally cancel proof, which is the name of the book. So I've been canceled very publicly, very humiliating cancellations. And I'm sitting here just as happy as I could possibly be. Um, and I've had other things that have happened, personal things, um, sometimes with family, sometimes with friends, um, sometimes with groups that I feel like should understand where I'm coming from, but there's still been cancellation. I look at that as an opportunity for me to show grace and also to prove that what I'm espousing is correct. And, you know, I didn't write the Bible. So if anyone has a problem with it, their problem is with the writers of the Bible and the inspiration for it, which is God, not me. I'm just here to tell the truth. And so I want to encourage people to tell the truth. And that's why I wrote this book. That is phenomenal. And I love that Star Wars analogy um, because it really, I think, you know, that helps people encapsulate this a little bit more because it's one thing to cheer somebody else on that's going through a cancel uh, situation, but it's another when that, that dark force is turned on yourself. And it's just easy to try to dodge it or, or stay quiet. Like you said, 66% of us really do. Um, one thing I want to try to unpack a little bit is, so cancel culture, we understand what that means. But then we have, you know, this other situation where, you know, if there's some company or something that is doing something that we disagree with then how do we vote with our feet and our dollars, right? Move along and don't do business with that corporation, that organization, um, or boycott it in some way. Is that the same as cancel culture? Are, are those of us like right now, as we are sitting here in the studio on uh, Monday, April 4th, 2022, the Disney corporation is just, doing all kinds of stuff that's making those of us that, you know, grew up loving Disney movies and going to Disneyland and raised our daughter going to Disneyland. And now we've got granddaughters and we love it. Um, those of us that feel like, okay, wait a minute, Disney's maybe leaving us. Like we don't really want to leave them, but they're leaving us. Um, is that the same as cancel culture? And if not, how is, how are they differentiated? Is that a fair question to it throw is. at you? It is. It's a fair question. And I'm glad you asked me because I, I have a whole chapter dedicated to, um, well, it's entitled, it's your job to indoctrinate your kids. So what we often have had in the past, especially as conservatives, is we either check out of public school, public education and culture, because it's pretty, it's pretty foul. Let's face it. Um, Disney was a bright spot, actually. I, my husband and I went to Disneyland for our, um, well, the one in Florida. Yeah, Disneyland. Disney that was where World. we honeymooned. Yeah. So we got married, drove down from um, Fort Walton Beach to literally went to Orlando, stayed there for almost a week for our honeymoon. Um, so I love it there. We've taken our kids and it's one of the best places on earth. It, it really is. It's, it's fantasy. 
but their recent foray into cancel culture, which you're right, Cheryl, there is a huge difference. So cancel culture is when I hold a viewpoint and my peers at work or my employer tell me, and I'm, I'm not talking about, I hold a viewpoint where I'm hosting a podcast from my office or representing my views as being the views of my company. I mean, you know, I go on a podcast in my own free time, or I donate $2,500 to, you know, the traditional marriage pack that was working in California uh, almost 20 years ago, Brendan Ike donated to them. And he, he was the CEO and founder of the company and his board fired him for making a $2,500 donation to a cause that he believed in. And it was a part of his free speech to do that. So I see cancel culture, the, the way that I define it is, this is an infringement on your free speech. So Disney has every right to change from being a family-oriented company to being one that is oriented towards a fringe minority group in this country that is out to destroy the nuclear family, the LGBTQ movement. So if they decide to make that decision, we as customers can then decide we no longer this this company no longer suits our values, and we can start uh, you know patronizing the the new offering by the Daily Wire. They're going to provide children's content, and so you know we'll have to move over there for for something for our kids, and we'll have to find other theme parks that are not Disney to take our kids to. And that is a choice that we're making in the marketplace where the cancellations that I went through and the ones that you've described with Brendan Ike and others. Those are viewpoint discrimination where a group of people mobs up on one individual for exercising their right to free speech. Mm -hmm. So that's the differentiation. It is not cancel culture for consumers to say, this company no longer represents my values, or it's no longer safe for my children to patronize this place because they plan to have 50% of all of their content be geared towards LGBTQ in the future. Like all of the children's content no more princes, no more princesses, no more ladies, no more gentlemen, no more boys, no more girls. Those are serious changes that they're making that fundamentally alter the quality of the product that they're offering in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So that is not cancel culture to say that that no longer suits your needs. It's the same as you and me, Cheryl. We've often discussed this when I see you in person, it's cowgirl boots, it's, you know, it's clothing, it's, it's makeup mm -hmm. for women we will often patronize, you know, a, a certain type of makeup or a certain type of service for years and years and years. And then they change the formulation. You know, for me, it's when they add almond oil, because I'm allergic to almonds. The minute they add that, I can't use their lipsticks anymore because I'm allergic. So when I stop using it, it's not cancel culture. I'm just moving on to something that does not actually make me sick. And they have moved to almond oil because maybe it's a product that they feel like is more natural and they're trying to attract consumers with that. And there are other women who will use the lipstick specifically because it has almond oil in it. So it's not about cancel culture when we say to Disney, you're stepping out of your lane. They're an entertainment company. They should not be weighing in on the, uh, the decisions that are being made by parents to try to retain the right to actually educate and indoctrinate their own child. And that's what that parental law, it's a parental uh, uh, rights law in Florida. It has nothing to do with not saying gay. That's what that's about. And so uh, Disney should be very careful because the LGBTQ movement is not the primary driver of children's content in this country. They don't have the, ma the majority of the kids. Traditional families do. So they're alienating their customer base and they can't exist without moms and dads who procreate, which that's us. Like you said, you have grandkids now. You're you're like, you've leveled up, Cheryl. <laughs> but but Stacy, it's crazy because Disneyland or Disney, they, um, it's, it's such a small group that's making all the noise and Disney's making these changes because we're quiet. 
we don't say nothing about it, you know? And so the sad result is that Disney's going to have to see the numbers are going down and go, wait, maybe we shouldn't do this. To me, it started when Disney changed the redhead in Pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) You know, you go your whole life, you see Pirates of the Caribbean, the red, we want the redhead, we want the redhead. And then they decided, well, that's not proper. We can't have that. Well, that's the way it was back then, you know, when when they set this thing up. Right. And so just because a few people said, you can't, we can't, we can't go to the park if they're going to have the redhead in the in there, or the guys chasing the women around the coffee tables or whatever they're doing, we can't have that. But 98% of the people loved it. Yeah, you know, and it the kids the loved it. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the kids loved that. So what's funny about the things that they've eliminated is, So Disney used to be, they were experts at having a cartoon geared towards children, but layering in some humor that only the adults would catch. Mm -hmm. So the kids see the guy chasing the the girl around the, the, uh, the coffee table, they don't make anything of it. But the adults know that's a reference to, you know, she's got long red hair and she's beautiful and he's chasing her because he wants to, you know, he wants a kiss or something. He wants a hug. And so we would that that's humor for us. And so Disney would layer in humor for the adults in the room because they knew if it was too childish, kids will sit and watch it by themselves. And how is that family entertainment? And if you remember Disney, Walt Disney was like obsessed with having families consume his content together. He knew that the key to it was to make it so fun that parents would engage with the kids and they would associate it with family time. And then he would have the whole family as his customer, as opposed to just the children. Because as you know, any toy that is geared just towards the kids, the kids love it. But when the kids outgrow it, the parents move right on to the next toy, the next Christmas or the next birthday, they're asking for something different. And Tickle Me Elmo is in the donation bin going to Goodwill or he's on sale on eBay. And the new thing, you know, a Bratz doll or something like that is coming in. And so while Disney didn't want his movies and his content to get tossed into the Goodwill bin, so he geared everything so that the whole family could enjoy it. And then when you get to be an adult, I know I know your your children have told you this, Cheryl, because I remember talking to my parents about it. I watch movies as an adult. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize there were so many kind of like almost borderline jokes in this film. <laughs> and my mom's like, yeah, because that's what me and your dad were laughing at. You guys yeah. were laughing at the kid stuff and we were laughing at this. I'm like, oh, she, and my mom told me, she was like, the good stuff used to have this, like the good stuff had the, the jokes layered in. So the adults would have something to chuckle at. And the kids were laughing too. She said, they don't really do that anymore because everything's so offensive. And the fact is, it's not offensive. Humor is based on realities. Mm-hmm. Fat people are humorous. I'm really tall. I'm six feet, two inches tall. Really tall people are humorous. Any, any kind of differentiation in size. Um, black people are really funny. Hispanic people are funny. White people are funny. So comedians used to pick on things that were funny because we can all identify with it. I can identify with someone picking on someone who's tall because I'm really tall. I can also identify with people picking on really short people because that was my response to to short people who picked on me is I would pick on the fact that they were really tall. Oh, you must play basketball. Oh, you must, you know, be a wrestler or play soccer. And then we would laugh, you know, that's the way we used to interact with each other. And now everybody's so freaking sensitive. We can't have anything. We can, we literally can't have any laughter anymore. And so, you know, Cheryl, you're right. And when you talk about the fact that they're hitting at their own base, you know, we, we always say everything woke turns to bleep, you know, that's, that's all over social media. <laughs> um, but the left eats its own. They're going to destroy the, the most loyal customer base 
in the history of customer bases. Like there are people who only drink Coke. There are people who only drink Pepsi. There are people who they don't even go to Universal. They only go to Disney. Mm-hmm. There are people who save all of not, not just the VHS tapes, but all the DVDs. They collect them. They have collections of these movies. Their families go to Disney on a certain time every year or every two or three years, or they mark every milestone. Everyone who graduates gets a trip to Disney and the whole family goes. Um, the Disney cruises are like a, it's like a legend. I, I know a couple of families here locally where the great grandparents fund the upper level Disney tour once every five years for the entire family. So it's like 28 people, kids wow. included, all on this Disney cruise and they're staying in like staterooms and whatnot. Wow. They're, they're really cutting away at their customer base and making it impossible for people who really enjoy what they provide to right. keep going, you know? Right. And you mentioned the Daily Wire earlier. I really am, you know, I saw that what they did with the razor, the mm-hmm. razor blades, you know, uh, yes. And how they, they have a ton of uh, subscribers now that mm-hmm. took a business away from these liberal companies that are trying to control us. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to happen with Disney too. I, I hate to see it. We go to Disney like season. once a week yeah. uh, and once a month. <laughs> once a month. Seriously, and, we're in Arizona, yeah. but- And it's like literally as much as we can get over there because it is something, it takes us out of our work mode. We are self-employed. So if we're home 24 seven, we are in work mode. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I I, I'm the same way. And so our outlet is movies. My family, we have three kids and they're all in college now. And so for the last, I'd say maybe seven or eight years, I mean, we've always watched movies, but for the last seven or eight years or so, we've really been dominated by the Marvel universe because there are like 28 Mm -hmm. films in that series. And so we started off with the first one and we didn't know we were going to love it. We just went to see the Avengers because it looked like it might be fun and little beknownst to me because my kids love comic books, but I never really, you know, comic books I was into when I was a kid, but then as an adult, if they asked for a comic book set or one of the big, thick uh, kind of collector's editions, they would get it for Christmas. So my son, so two of the kids, we have two daughters and a son, two of the kids, the younger daughter and our son had read all of the canon surrounding the Avengers and the the Marvel universe. So when we went to the film, they were like in the car afterwards, they were arguing about which universe was going to actually be the one that they carried the rest of the movies through. And I was sitting there listening and I was like, so tell me more. So we had this conversation went on over the course of I'd say maybe two weeks. Like I would come back and ask them something about it because I didn't realize there was that much more to it. I just remembered reading a few comics about Thor. I actually went to the library and read the actual like Greek mythologies when I was a kid, but that was a long time ago. So they start like explaining to me how they could go with this universe or that universe because different comic book writers have taken it in different directions. And then we were hooked. My husband and I, every time the movie would come out, we would go with the kids and then we would buy the DVD. And, you know, when you're sitting at home and there's nothing on, we throw in the Avengers or Thor or, you know, one of them. We enjoyed them so much. And to this day, even now that they're introducing the wokeness into it, it's really hard because we've enjoyed so much of it before. And of course, over the course of eight years, as you know, anything you do for that long, it becomes a part of kind of like your family culture. And you don't want anybody to take that away from you. And that's what Disney is doing. They're taking Disney culture away from tens of millions of families who like yourself, you've incorporated that into kind of like your family language. You probably have things you say that are related to Disney and your family that, you know, I don't say in my family, right? It's, It's part of who you are. And I think that's, it's such a shame, but if that's what they plan on doing, 
thank God for people like Ben Shapiro and the Daily Wire who are willing to create new experiences for us. Yeah. Um, they're, they're foray into razors. They're not afraid to go into any marketplace. They have the children's books. Now they're gonna have children's content that's movies yeah. and who knows what they'll do. I think it's limitless because they're in Nashville. They're in a very affordable area. Yeah. They're in the heart of the country. They're in a conservative beachhead. They're in Nashville. It's gonna be pretty fantastic. But I, you mentioned, Bob, you said something about us being silent. This book is actually meant to plug you into the power source so that you're not silent anymore. Cause people ask me a lot, well, Stacey, you're so brave and it's probably easy for you. It's not, I'm scared a lot. I am not brave. I I'm actually pretty soft hearted. My husband said I have a hard candy shell, but on the inside it's pure chocolate because uh-huh. I really don't like arguing with people. I would prefer to sit and have coffee and talk about fun things. I would prefer yeah. to you know, help you with your interior design. Like let's go shopping. Let's buy a new couch. That's what I'd love to do. But I have a knack for talking and I definitely can retain a lot of information and facts surrounding these topics. And that's why I'm in politics. And that's why, and of course I love shooting guns. I love owning them. I love shooting them. I love buying them and I love buying ammo. So that kind of dovetails in with a lot of what I discuss. but I, I want people to feel empowered Mm -hmm. to do it scared, to, to speak the truth anyway. This is about you saying, this country is worth it. And I don't have grandkids yet, but I want them really badly. And I don't want to leave them a country that's impossible to live in where they can't speak the truth. So I have to speak the truth as long as I'm able to. And I go to a church where our pastor, he calls them, someone calls them Ron's rants, where in the beginning of this sermon, he covers the issues of the day, mass shooting, uh, immigration problem, President Trump suspended from Twitter, coronavirus masking policy, whatever it is, he'll talk about it and tell us what the Bible says about it. And then what ends up happening is you leave there thinking, okay, so that's how I talk about that. Right. And that's what I try to do on my radio show and podcast is tell people how to talk about it. It's not about the fight. I, I compare it to the F-16, F-15 fighting Eagle. That those were my weapon systems that I analyzed when I was on active duty in the air force. And what people don't know about those aircraft is most people don't know that the the bombs are actually the tiny little, the little missiles on the wings, the big tank underneath the body of the plane is actually a fuel tank and it's filled with fuel. And that's what the plane uses to fly to the mission and during the the battle. Well, once the plane has delivered its ordnance and fired off its missiles, then the plane is usually at that point, it's getting close to having no fuel left in that big tank. So what it can do is eject that tank. So it falls off of the plane, making the plane much lighter. And then the fuel in the wings is how the plane gets home. So I want people who read this book, I want you to take the information in this book. That's your ordinance. Those are your stinger missiles, your Patriot missiles. You put those on your jet, you're the jet and you get out there and you're with your neighbor, you're with a coworker. And they start talking about how, you know, we need to leave the Southern border wide open. You take the facts from this book. I give you everything you need to know about immigration in here, but it's brief because other people write these big, huge 70,000 page or 70,000 word books about immigration. I cover these, these topics, stinger missile style. So you have something to take with you. Then you tell them the truth and then you're out of there. You've only got enough fuel to get home you got what's in the wings. You're getting home now. So you're telling what you know about immigration and why you don't agree in a very nice way. And then you're out of there. 
Why are you out of there? Because you can't argue with someone who doesn't understand the topic that you're discussing. You give them the information and encourage them. Hey, why don't you go check out some websites that are not mainstream, you know, do a little bit of, get a little bit of information on this and we could talk about it again another time. But anyway, it was really great to engage with you on this subject. And, you know, that's why I like spending time around you, maintain the relationship. That's why I like working with you because you're, at least you will listen to what I have to say, make sure they know you respect them and then get out of there. Like your life depends on it. You're going to the bathroom. You're going to lunch. It's the end of your work day. You have to meet with someone, whatever you have to do to get out of there, because the argument is where we lose because they're really emotionally driven. And the the first thing they're going to say is you're a racist. So avoid that. Get out after you've delivered your payload. And I believe we're going to be much more effective that way because we, we know the truth. We're the ones who have the truth. So we should be the last person in any setting to be silent because we know the truth. And the bad thing about this is that the, those people are, they have nothing to back up what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And it is pure emotions, mm-hmm. just emotions. And you, it's, hard, it's hard to beat that because then when you talk to them about what you're saying in the book, then they go home and watch CNN again. They get recharged with their nonsense that doesn't have anything to back it. Mm-hmm. But we just, they're, they're a louder voice and we need to be louder. Mm-hmm. We need to be louder than they are, right? We are, we are not as loud because, well, for one thing, we, are, we know that they're wrong. Right. It's really hard to talk to somebody you know is wrong and they're not just like a little wrong or slightly off the mark. They're literally spouting right. propaganda in your face right. and you're just standing there like, oh gosh, what? Where do you happening? start? Yeah. <laughs> what's happening here? But in the book, I give you the comparative. So it's comparative truth in that instead of just telling you how wrong the left is, I also talk about how we on the right have been wrong and why. I give you the information from the founding, but a lot of leftists don't care about history. They think everyone in history was a racist. Well, I talk about that too. And I also, I go into some things that um, as conservatives, if we can kind of write those ships on our side, it will be helpful. We have a lot of weak leadership. There should be no Republican party in which a Mitt Romney or a Liz Cheney can exist a Susan Collins. We, we make too many compromises with people who are out to destroy this country. Um, Mitt Romney is a very rich man with a beautiful family who has been blessed outside of what he deserves, as is the situation with all of us. Um, but he has been blessed in a very outsized way. And instead of him enjoying his family and his dozens of grandkids, I think the man has 24 grandchildren. Um, <laughs> oh, good for him. He's worth $250 million. Cheryl, oh is there any universe in which you or I would be doing this if we had $250 million and 24 grandkids? I don't think so. And I'm not saying that I'm doing this for the money, as we all know, you know, podcasts don't really pay, but I'm talking about the blessings of having a family that size and having that much ability to help people. And then he, and he's obsessed with being the president. Right. And pick, pick, pick at old scabs and try to, you know, drudge up discontent in other people. It it's mind boggling that anybody would even buy into the, the line of, of it's uh, ingratitude. So, you know, but I, I cover so much is in here, but it's also nine chapters. Um, I intentionally didn't make it huge because as a radio host, I cover so much information. I could have written 12. I actually had 12 chapters laid out, but I stopped because there's always time to write another book. 
Yeah. I wanted the book to be of a length that people could actually read it to finish it and then take the information inside it and go out and do the truth telling that we're all called to do. So as citizens, we're the highest office in the land. Those people in Washington, DC with their $2,800 outfits and their, you know, their driver and their staff of 15 or 20, they're our public servants. They are our employees, as are the people in these school districts who are indoctrinating our kids. We don't need permission to have a say in what's going on with our kids. Those are our kids. Those are our school buildings. Those are our superintendents and teachers and principals, they are our employees. Everyone who works there is your employee. You're their boss. So you don't go in and ask permission. You go in and tell them, here's some things we're not going to do. We're not going to have pornographic books on the, on the shelves of this library. You have your rules and stuff, but we have the vote. We'll get rid of all of you. All of you will be back in the private sector, which as we saw in, in San Francisco, the wokest place on earth, they got rid of three of their school board members because they were too busy renaming buildings and not busy enough reopening their schools. If San Franciscans can do it and they, they barely can talk, they're so woke, then certainly the rest of the country right. can do it. And that's what's happening. Like tomorrow, we have school board elections across the country. And I encourage people to vote in those and vote in, go find your voter guide. Conservatives are putting those out now too. But the main thing is, you know, I, I spent a lot of time writing this book and I, so far, readers have told me they laughed, they've cried, um, they laughed again because the book's pretty funny, but mostly that there's a ton of information in here that you can use. And I want you to have the information so you can start telling the truth and not being worried about it because yeah. powerful people don't worry about the reaction to what they're doing with their power. And we are powerful because we know the truth. Right. Exactly. Yeah, you know, we're running kind of late here, Stacy. but I, I have one question. How did we get to a point that racism is, is the reason? I mean, they blame race on everything. How did it get to that? Especially after being, a, you know, I graduated high school in 1984 and it was all, you know, we are the world. It was ebony and ivory. You know, I mean, it, we were on track, especially the generation after us, our kids were definitely on track to be the most multicultural, most open-minded, most accepting of any ever. And then suddenly we have gone to a place where you can't put two sentences together without somebody saying, well, that was a microaggression and based in race. I mean, it's like, how did we get how, there? How did this happen? So in the book, I talk about true black history or critical race theory. And I also go over CRT and in, in another area of the book. And I talk about it in here because what you're talking about is the outgrowth of critical race theory. Uh, critical race theory comes from critical theory and critical theory is a way that anyone who wants to be a dictator can take away the unity in a society because we do have the most egalitarian society on the face of the earth. When you move to America and you immigrate here and you like lawfully become an American, you become an American. In Germany, when you immigrate, if you become a, you know, a German citizen, you're still a third country national because Germans know you're not a Germanic extraction. You are not a German by ethnicity. Um, it's the same thing in France. So you can emigrate there, you can live there, but you're never going to be French. You can speak French, but you will never be truly French because mm. being French is actually a, like, it's a lineage. In America, your lineage is you swore an oath of fealty to the constitution. And now all of a sudden you're one of us. 
And we have all of our different little countries within America. They're regional. They're even down to the state level where we have different accents, different foods. Um, but all of us are still Americans. So what critical theorists want to do is they want to take that unity and destroy it. They can't destroy it because we have capitalism by saying it's the worker versus the rich because rich people work and poor people don't work. Some, some in our country don't work at all because they're on, on uh, government assistance. So they use race to destroy the unity in our country. And this is solely a function of us allowing it because I'm sitting here black, been always been black, always be black, you know, like not something I'm trying to change. You guys are not black. We're sitting here having a conversation. It hasn't come up at all, but we have to discuss it because the left has made it a central issue. So in the book, in chapter six, I talk about true black history or critical race theory, because it's our decision to allow them to do this to us. And I'll, I just, I have a quote from Thomas Sowell inside American education that educators who have repeatedly failed to do what they're hired to do and trained to do should take on sweeping roles as amateur psychologists, sociologists, and social philosophers seems almost inexplicable, except that they are doing it with other people's money and experimenting on other people's children, because the majority of these people don't have children. They're not living a traditional lifestyle. They're there to indoctrinate your kids into something you don't want. That's why we're discussing race and we don't have to because where else can I be a black woman and own property and run my own business and be a radio host speaking to millions of people on satellite radio? I can't do that in other countries where blacks are enslaved, like in the Middle East or in uh, uh, China where the CCP decides who's on the radio or in North Korea where a tin pot dictator decides what haircut you can have. I can only do this here in this country. It's the best place on earth to be a minority of any kind. And we know that because all minorities want to live here. Why would they want to live here if it's the most racist place on earth? Like I, I still can't find a leftist who can answer me. Why are all the people from Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, why are they all coming to America instead of going to Canada if America's so racist? Why aren't yeah. they going to Haiti? Why aren't they going anywhere? Why aren't they traveling to China? These people are, have ingenuity. They, they can get here, they can get anywhere. Why aren't they going to these other countries if America is so racist? Well, it's because we're not racist. Exactly. Boy, that was Thank so you for well that. said. Thank you. Uh, I know we've got to wrap up. You've got to run. We do as well. But um, I wonder if you could sort of put a bow around this because we are at, in a time of spiritual warfare, right? Spiritual battle. So figuratively, and people maybe who aren't spiritual minded, they could think of it as the spirit of our nation is coming under, mm -hmm. you know, uh, battle. Uh, but also for, for you and, and I and, and Dan, since we are Christians, we think of it at literally that you can feel it in the air, the spiritual battle going on around us. Um, ultimately, those of us who you know, ascribed to Christianity, we believe that while we do have free will, God gave us free will, that was a gift to us. God has the final say, our creator has the final say on who sits in authority and every president that we've ever had, every dictator, every king. Um, and, and he decides, he's the decider, God is of how things play out. What would you say the Bible says would have to say about where we are right now in history, because it really feels like a crux, a crossroads. What would you have to say about that? Well, the first thing I'll say is if you're 
feeling discouraged right now because, you know, gas is 5.50 a gallon in some places and the chicken thighs are, you know, up over 10 bucks and it just, it feels impossible. Don't feel discouraged because you're not here by accident. You're living in this time during this timeline, as the young people like to say, for a reason you're here for a specific purpose. And so God ordained this time for you because your voice and your work matters. And I'm not talking about like when I was growing up, I thought the only way people could truly serve God was if they were missionaries in like Vietnam or, or on the continent of Africa. So anyone who said, God used me, that's where they would end up. Well, as a grown up, now I know my, my primary ministry field is right here in this house. It's with my husband and with our children. And now that they're college age, God has allowed me to expand and talk to other people, but it's, it's, it's within your own sphere. So don't be discouraged, be in, in, be excited because you're empowered to do something amazing right now. So where are we right now in America? Well, we're at a crossroads where we're trending away from freedom and we're trending away from uh, faith and, and people being able to speak the truth or even practice their religion. Cause we saw during coronavirus, they locked the churches down. That was completely unconstitutional, but they did it. And the church sat by and allowed it. So where we are is that in, in God's timing, you mentioned Cheryl, that God's timing is he's in control. He decides who's in, in power. And so he places leaders and authority over us. Sometimes it's for blessing. Sometimes it's for judgment. Barack Obama's presidency was a judgment. President Trump was a time of correction and an opportunity for us to change as a nation. Many, many people in our country don't want freedom. They want to be ruled over. They want to be controlled. Uh, that was demonstrated during the Trump years so evidently. And now we have President Biden, who is a judgment because he, he's, he has dementia. He's not even all there. I'm not sure who's running this country. It's probably Barack Obama again from behind the scenes. And so when you look at it that way, you say, well, what is God doing here? Well, it's a wake up call for the church. It's part of the reason I wrote this book. I want people to get up out of their slumber and start speaking the truth to read your Bible. If you're, if you're a person of faith and you're not reading the owner's manual, I have a story in there about me and a BMW and me not reading the owner's manual. And it's pretty funny because it's not true, but it could be because I am a bit like I'm kind of dang batty about cars and stuff. Um, I'm, I'm very exacting on other things. Like I'm, I can build websites and I can run social media, but I'm not really great with cars. And so the story is about a me, maybe a 20 year old me. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and it's entirely possible that people will identify with it a lot. Mm -hmm. Even if you're good with cars, because it is something that we as human beings do, we'll, we'll use something without looking at the owner's manual and our owner's manual as Christians is the Bible. So we need to read it. It's the basic instruction before leaving earth. The other thing is God gave us the form of government that we have. It is outlined in Exodus 18, but it's also in other areas of the old Testament where God gave the Israelites a way to manage themselves without having a King. And so that's what they were given by God. And it's the same thing our founders used to create our system of government. So we're meant to rule ourselves and to be free. And so you find yourself alive in today where we're, you know, we're, we have cancel culture and we have all these things going on, but we also have technology. You also have a phone that if you don't feel like reading the Bible, you can have somebody with a British or Australian or even a German accent, read the Bible to you while you're cooking and cleaning and doing things you need to do. Um, we have the technology to do almost anything you want. Look at you. We're having this conversation, Dan, Cheryl, and Stacy. y'all are in Arizona. I'm in Missouri. Um, and we're having this conversation for your worldwide audience. So listen, you're not to be discouraged. God never tells us in the Bible to be discouraged. He says, 
um, be of good cheer. And he tells us not to fear over 365 times. He also says that we are co-heirs with Christ. He died for our sins to make us co-heirs, to make us at the same level as him as children of God. And then we get to go to God and say, Lord, look at my country. My country stinks right now. Can you help? What do you want me to do? What, what do you, what do you see happening here, Lord? What can I do to stem the tide? What can I do to be kind to my neighbor? So they'll, maybe they'll come to church with me and get the power of the Holy spirit so they can actually know truth. Cause that's part of the reason why Democrats are so they're just, they're dumbed down to the core. They can't absorb truth because the Bible is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the wisdom of God to those who know Jesus. So I can read the Bible and get, I just get so much out of it, but a person who is deceived and doesn't know Jesus can't read the Bible and understand it. It might as well be Greek. So they need to know Jesus. So that's what we're called to do. We're, we're to love our neighbors, to be kind to them, to pour out of ourselves into them and to bring them into the kingdom. And then for those who will not, we are not to yield. We are not to bend. We are not to bow. We are never to ever give any ground to evil because we have the mind of Christ. He dwells within us and he doesn't lose. He tells us that the enemy is under our feet. So we take ownership of our place as children of the most high God. And we go out into the entirety of our sphere, speaking truth fearlessly, because we know no man can touch God's anointed and no man can remove your eternity from you, which is why I always say, I fear no man threaten, do whatever you feel like you're going to do. You cannot touch me because I am anointed. If I'm absent from this body, I am present with the Lord, but I'm not absent from this body. I'm right here. And so as long as I'm here, I'm going to speak truth and I'm going to swing my sword on behalf of this country because it's the country that God gave to us. And we need to defend it because it's a gift. It's an actual gift from God. That's why everyone else wants to live here. That's why people love this country. That's why foreigners love it. Not because of our president. You know, I, I think President Trump is amazing, but he's not the reason why people love America. People love America because it's America and it was a gift from God. So we have to defend it. So I want people encouraged, powered up and out there speaking truth and being kind and winning over souls for Christ so that we'll have something uh, as our reward when we get there. You know, we're one day no longer going to be here on this earth, running around in these decaying bodies, worrying about makeup and hair. We're going to have created bodies and we're going to be in heaven, yucking it up with Jesus. We're going to be existing in all of the dimensions at the same time. Instead of just three dimensions, we'll have access to all of them. We'll no longer be confined by things like time and eating for sustenance and sleeping for rest. It's going to be amazing. Just knowing that is good enough reason for us to go out and do whatever God tells you to do. Cause that's the adventure. I never, if you told me 20 years ago, Cheryl, Stacy, you're going to be, um, you're going to be on radio and you're going to write a book. I'd have been like, in what universe? I'm just trying to manage these kids and get like, make sure I do laundry more than one time a week. Now I'm doing this stuff. And it's only because God has given me the ability to do it and actually like empowered me to do it outside of myself because by myself, I can't do this stuff. So what part of the adventure are you not partaking because you think maybe you're not equipped or, you know, I, I, maybe I'm not that wild, crazy idea that you have that you're like, it's, it's in the back of your mind, but you can't get rid of it. That's your adventure. That's what God is going to empower you to go do. So let's do it. Let's do it while we still have time, while we still have freedom, while we still can, let's do it. 
Amen. That is awesome. All of that. That is phenomenal. I got goosebumps because um, truth bumps really is what they are because <laughs> it's, it's a mind boggling to me that there are people out there that aren't attracted to truth in the way that we are. You know, it's, it's just, uh, you know, it just pulls us like a moth to, to, to light because it is light and they'd rather spend their time mucking around in weird theories and, and cancel culture and hating on each other and hating on those they don't understand. It's like, well, that's so pointless. We're over here where you, you have the truth and you have the light and you, you have, you know, this vibrant world view. It's, it's amazing to me that, that everybody doesn't understand that and, and is drawn to that. But I hope that anybody listening here, that's even on the fence, you know, uh, thinking, you know, so what is this whole thing? That's our, our whole show is about, what is this whole thing about guns? Are they good? Are they bad? You know, like mm -hmm. we want to try to draw people in to at least consider how we feel about our rights and, and firearms. And the same thing with, with this kind of thinking, you know, just, just open your mind to it. Just, you know, consider it, just chew on it for a while and see which way you ultimately are, are pulled to think and believe. And just mm -hmm. as we, as we start uh, going out um, right now, Stacy, please tell folks, how do they follow all of this amazing, and I have to believe God ordained work that you're doing and purchase this book and give themselves some stinger missiles of wisdom. Uh, how do they do that? So thank you so much for having me on, Dan and Cheryl, to discuss the book. I really appreciate your time. And I encourage you to go to Amazon where the book is for sale. Um, this is an author copy, which is why it has this little gray tag. So when you see the book online, it will not have the little gray tag, but I've actually mailed out all of my pre-orders. So I'm I, I don't have any books here at home. Um, and I have a new shipment coming in um, later on this week. So you can order the book and have it to your house in two days or less on Amazon. Um, it's eternally cancel proof. You can also go to my website and order the book. And if you order it from me directly, you pay a little more because I have to ship it here and then I sign it and then I mail it to you from here. So um, you can definitely do that. And then the book will be everywhere, Target, Walmart, all of those different places. In another couple of weeks, I'm actually going through that process right now for distribution. Um, and I'm very excited because I'm, I'm going to go to like a Barnes and Nobles, which we go to all the time. I'll go there and I'll see my own book. So that's going to, you'll probably oh. hear me screaming in Arizona. I'll be screaming so loud. <laughs> I'll be screaming with you. So excited. So excited. <laughs> So, um, so I'm Stacy on the right everywhere on truth, social gab parlor, Instagram, um, Stacy on the right.com is my website where you can subscribe. And I sometimes put out a newsletter there. It's not very frequent, but if you get on the mailing list, I'll never sell your info. Just, um, send out an, an occasional newsletter. And I also post the show notes there for my program. So if you're ever looking for, if you're listening to me on Sirius and you're like, man, what did she say? Um, you can go to the show notes and click on the stories and read them for yourself. And also all of my podcasts are there. So if you're not a SiriusXM subscriber, you can just listen to the podcast that I have. And we do two or three of those episodes a week as well. So thank you so much. I'm really excited to have people read the book. I hope you'll read it and, you know, maybe write a review or send me an email. Let me know what you thought. Fantastic. Uh, you know, I will. Um, thank you so much for taking this time with us. Thank you for writing a book like that. 
And when you go back, you said you had 12 chapters, you pared it down to nine. When you start the next book with those other chapters, let us know. We want to have you back on and find out more about what you've written. All right. I, I was trying to discuss that. And my husband was like, stop it. <laughs> just promote this book. He was like, just do one thing at a time. And I was like, um, you're right. He was like, I'm right. You will get to those other things, but don't get it. He was like, don't, you're going to drive yourself crazy. And I was like, you're right. It's true. You're right. He was like, just work on this. I'm like, okay. Okay. So yeah, that's what's going on over here. Cause there's no neither, kids here. So weird. Neither one of you guys, neither one of you, I'm looking at both of you could do one thing at a time. It's true. I tell you that it's right true. now. It's, it's really hard. I'm, I'm, I know Cheryl, cause I've seen all the different things that you guys do. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. It's just, it's like a problem, but that's okay. I mean, that's why we have our husbands, Dan and Rod, just doing their best to hold us in like one piece, like regular right. people. They're, you guys are like hoarders of getting things done. It's right? true. It's true. Yeah. God's got a lot for us to do. But you know, you know what? more people stepped up, we could share the load and we wouldn't be able to have to do right. everything, right? I, I mean, that's kind of, that's in the book too. You know, you, everyone could join in. We, we're like we're willing to share, right, Cheryl? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but could you Absolutely. imagine? I, Very I eager to share. I don't think I'd love you if you didn't do anything. That's I mean, true. You, that's you know, true. but you are borderline compulsive uh, worker, <laughs> uh, workaholic or whatever you might yeah. want to call and it. Here's your mirror right back at you, buddy. No, I was but... just thinking to myself. So you, Cheryl and I are taking a little bit of a beating here, but um my husband yeah. gets a lot done too and i know dan does i know oh, these i know this about you guys what else do you True. do that's all you do right all right miss stacy you're awesome god bless you and we will definitely be chatting with you again thank you so much thanks for having me bye-bye bye-bye she's awesome yeah oh my goodness a lot of all energy. right uh what's that a lot of energy a lot of energy a lot of um I love how, you know, she doesn't only have ideas, but she has the, the vehicle to share them and articulate them and such an important voice um, because she, she acknowledges it's not just her voice, right? This is a, a God ordained. This is a creator ordained uh, work that she's doing. Right. And that's when, you know, it really has impact. And I forgot to turn my speaker off okay we have got to wrap up and get on out of here uh holy cow thank you so much to stacy washington stacy on the right please buy her book follow all the work she does support her in those ways thank don't you. just buy the book buy the book and then talk about it right please talk about buy it. it read it talk about it for yeah. sure um use those stinger missiles i love that analogy and thank you to all of our amazing listeners. As I've mentioned a few times through this show, every once in a while, we'll talk about something that, you know, really is based in Christianity or the Bible. And we know that not everybody who is our viewer and our listener ascribes to Christianity and, and understands the Bible the, it, as the truth, the, the owner's manual like we do. And that's okay right? We're not here to indoctrinate. We're here to share information. And we just really love you and value you out right. there who will, you know, stick with us and, and listen to this. And even more so if you will share this message, even though we may not be speaking from your own personal perspective. It's what this show is about, right? Stretching right. Our, our thoughts and our, our spheres of influence. 
Um, so thank you so much. If you want to watch this and share this episode or any episode we've ever had, please go to our YouTube, our gun streamer or Opslens smartphone app. If you like the video version, subscribe, uh, click for notifications, all that great stuff. If you want the audio only version, go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com. Click the on demand tab and binge lesson to your heart's content darling also beautifully said if you want to learn more about any of our guests including stacy washington go to the guest tab we have a huge body of work uh from all of the guests all of the subject matter experts we've ever had on uh and when you spend time there we don't hate that all right until next time we are going to pray for our nation what are we going to pray for? And we're going to pray for our leaders that they get a copy of Eternally Cancel Proof. So maybe they'll gain some wisdom. So as they not lead us, guide us, not control us, us, represent us. Yes. Represent us that they can so I will pray for that more effectively. Um, and, you know, we pray for even those people that we somehow elected. Yes, the ones that, that those ones were frustrated. Those about. ones get them a copy of the audio of that book. <laughs> so <laughs> um, maybe even more so, we're praying for those who are in positions of responsibility and power yeah. and leadership that we we're a little frustrated with, right? You know, and you know, some of the politicians that come in, you know, they have good intentions, but then they get clouded or are forced into things that they wouldn't normally do. Let's pray for those Absolutely. that they're guided in the right way to actually serve us, not yeah. lead, uh, not uh, rule us. Absolutely. I like that. All right. Until next time, be good to each other. Have a great week. And God bless. God bless. Bye-bye.